the Spot Track Podcast, talking sports contracts, the salary cap, and business of sports. Welcome to another edition of the Spot Track Podcast. My name is Mike Gennetti. It is Wednesday, August 16th. We're getting there. The NFL season is right around the corner. It's another NFL show today with Dan Soman, breaking down wide receivers of value, of worth, who recently signed a contract, who might need a contract next March, who might be franchise tag candidates, who are boxed behind somebody else on their roster, and uh, for whatever reason, might be a name you're not thinking about as your fantasy drafts come into focus. Dan has, I don't know, some mid-round picks, a couple of really nice late-round picks, and uh, we kind of talk about how the money impacts them, either the money they've earned or the money they are about to earn, and where they are in terms of their roster and possible production for 2023. We had a great conversation about running backs in this regard on last week's show. It's a wide receiver show today, but look, we're also going to dive into a couple of running backs as well because Dalvin Cook and Ezekiel Elliott have signed contracts. So on the very back end of this conversation, we, we give our thoughts about the money on my side and uh, from Dan's perspective, what this means for Ramondre Stevenson and Brees Hall and their respective offenses going forward. So wide receivers for most of this thing, a couple of running back talk at the very, very end of this thing. And uh, I think we'll continue down this path with some tight ends and uh, one of my favorite shows of the year coming up here probably next week, I would guess, since it's probably drafting time for most of us. Scott Allen, Dan Soman, and I in a roundtable effect are going to draft a salary cap fantasy roster for 2023. We'll put up a, a salary cap limit. We will draft some players and try to make this thing all work with the best available salary cap roster for 2023. That's probably next week. But for today, it's wide receivers and Delvin Cook and Zeke Elliott. That's next. All right, Dan, we had the running back conversation last week. Let's flip to the wide receivers. The uh, The goal here is basically to cherry pick a couple of names that we think have some sort of correlation between a contract either recently signed or a contract soon to be signed and their fantasy value because of it, um, whether that means they've changed their roles on a new team, on their current team, or whether it means they may be playing out of their minds in order to up their market value a couple extra million dollars here for what could be pending free agency in 2024. So I, you've got once again compiled a really interesting list of names. I want to run through this as much as possible. Uh, you're the driver here. Fire away, man. Well, again, we'll just, um, I think it's probably easiest to just go in like an AB, ADP form in terms of some guys um, mm-hmm. that we think have. So, sorry, to back up, this this list is sort of guys that might be getting some steam in fantasy circles that I'm not really sure about, and I'm sort of zooming out to look at their contract situation um, to sort of analyze uh, a little bit deeper. Um, mm-hmm. A lot of these names are way down the list in your fantasy drafts, depending on, um, you know, the format how deep your league is. Um, some of these guys may very well not even come into play in your drafts, but some of them are like late. Uh, we're going to kind of focus towards some later round picks, um, guys that you might want to just have on your watch list, um, guys you can cut immediately yeah. after week one if um, we see that the role is not what we thought it might be based on these contracts that they signed or that we're about to talk about. So yeah, I, see a, I see a bunch of names here that might become like streamer guys. In fantasy, you know, like you're picking them up week two and then you might be able to get them back again week eight or something. <laughs> yeah, exactly. So first guy on our list, um, again, we'll start out with sort of a, a layup here is T Higgins. Um, mm-hmm. I mean, this is going to open up a, a broader conversation, I think, in terms of just where he's headed in terms of probably being the premier free agent wide receiver available on the market next year. If something doesn't get done prior to that, mm-hmm. um, which loops in, can they even get him done if they're, if they have intentions to also sign Burrow and Ch- uh, Jamar chase to a longer term deal. So I, I guess uh, in terms of that stuff, I'm not really sure where it heads, but um, I mean, he's a, he's a top, 30 pick at this point pretty pretty safely in in most leagues and um i think he has the upside to be a you know a top top five wide receiver if something were to happen to chase in that offense so um Mm -hmm. i guess where do you think uh this goes contract wise with him are they are like i know we've hinted at this danced around a little bit in the past but um 
like I, I don't necessarily think there's there's correlation in between between necessarily between T Higgins is in a contract year. So he is about to explode, have a monster year. Um, it's really just, I believe in this offense and Joe Burrow uh, and that the situation is ripe for him to have a big year, which could then translate to a big contract. So how do they navigate that? Where does this kind of go from there? Yeah. The, the, the last comparison I can think of, um, where this ended nicely for the wide receivers was Tampa. Uh, Mike Evans was already kind of under contract. It was really like a two-year gap between him and Chris Godwin. Godwin got the franchise tag and then was offered the second franchise tag and was extended out of that to a two-year guarantee. So that's where this went in that regard. Now they had Brady on a you know suppressed contract, and now they've got Baker Mayfield or Kyle Trask on a really suppressed contract. So there's ways they're able to make it all kind of work. And by the way, none of that is really translated to winning since Godwin signed that contract. So... We don't have too many examples of this is my point. We don't have a lot of teams buying in on two massive wide receiver contracts. Um, I think we're going to see Miami do it with Jalen Waddell and Tyreek Hill, though there's a bit of a stagger point there. Hill's got, I think, two more fully guaranteed years, maybe even three. So there will be some crossover between those two contracts if Waddle gets a contract next year with Chase. So maybe it's something we start to see. I guess, I guess that's my question back to you. Um, is that is that going to be considered good business now in this new version of of a passing offense football? Right, if we're going to devalue the, the, the running backs to the point of where it's two for one essentially price wise, are our teams going to be more and more apt and okay to keep superstar wide receivers on twenty million plus contracts? If you think there's a like. If you there's always a way cap wise, right? There's always right. A way. This is really a cash accounting question more than anything. <laughs> yeah. I, I mean, I think things you have been preaching for a long time that teams need to focus the, the, you know, the largest percent of their cap in certain positions is, mm-hmm. is, uh, like a more widely believed in, in point now than it was even just a couple of years ago. Right. Like, and what I'm trying to say is I think going forward, we will see teams focus their money on quarterbacks, wide receivers, uh, edge rushers and yeah, corner. Yeah. yeah. That kind of stuff. Right. Yeah. So instead of these, um, you know, running back interior linemen, uh, you know, thing, uh, interior, uh, linebackers, th- players like that. So, right. I, I think there is a world where teams do start paying to alpha wide receivers, if you will. I just, I mean, I have trouble thinking it's the Cincinnati Bengals. Okay. So that, that, All right. I, I think you're saying that from a frugality standpoint, right? Because they generally well, don't pay big. I mean, they do give out good contracts, but the guarantees and things haven't really been there. So there's a world where players just won't, won't start accepting these contracts. Can I push back on this thought though? Um, I agree, by the way, that more and more teams will probably go this route if they have the ability to do so. Brady never did it. The Patriots never did it with Brady. And the Kansas City Chiefs appear going that exact same route with Mahomes. Is that is that fair? I mean, they, they subtract wide receiver options more than they've added in the past five years. And they just won the Super Bowl, right? And Brady won plenty of Super Bowls. So I still think the mantra of if you have that alpha, alpha, alpha quarterback, right? Top three elite can do it all, can literally carry an offense on his shoulders. I, I'm against overpaying for more than one significant weapon. I, I, I think that's always been the model and it's a proven model. It's, it's a 25-year model now, right? With either Brady and Gronk, Kelsey and Mahomes, Brady and Randy Moss for a while. You know, there's a lot of that right out there right now. Um, Peyton Manning really only needed one legitimate, you know, high-paid threat and all of his offenses. And he kind of made, right, those Pierre Garçons and and those kind of players shine when he needed to. I I think if I'm Cincinnati, and you're right, there's certainly a world where they're going to have a, you know, a threshold of of cash that they're not going to go over. I, I don't think there's a world where T. Higgins gets a contract here, Dan. I really don't. I think they're looking at this as Chase is the guy, right? He's our our 1A alpha uh, you know, option in terms of a, a weapon. And we're just going to start to backfill this with a lot of Tyler Boyds. A lot of guys who are willing to accept 
third and fourth tier money and we'll get four or five of those guys, you know, and rotate them in and out like a revolving door. And we're just going to put our eggs in Joe Burrow's basket because he's going to have to make it work. And by all intents, he has made it work. So I, I do agree with you. I think T Higgins will hit the open market. I don't even think there's a franchise tag coming because that's going to be up near upwards of 22, $23 million now with this wide receiver boom. So uh, whenever we're referencing a pending free agent here for wide receiver, that's the number you're thinking about if your team's going to tag him. So I don't think they're going that route either. I think this is literally a situation where this guy walks into free agency. Cincinnati would, will thrive with the compensatory draft pick they'll get because that's a big deal for them, right? They could probably use that third round pick to replace T Higgins, unfortunately. And, and not exactly. This is a hell of a player, but he becomes a preeminent, number one wide receiver option, probably ahead of where Christian Kirk was, right? I'd put him ahead of that role. Uh, I'm not sure we've seen a wide receiver of, of this age with this ability, with this a chance to be a legitimate number one option, hit the market. And I really do think we're headed that way. So this is a name to watch for everybody, the whole league, if, you, if you're a team that needs a wide receiver in 2024. Yeah, I, I agree. And to bring it back to the original fantasy conversation, um, mm -hmm. we think this is just a good situation for T. Higgins all around. We're not giving him a boost um, because no. we think he's about to have um, a monster year, specifically because of the contract. We just think it's uh, a really he's good. He's already done enough, around, so. right? Yeah, I mean, probably he, right. Chase was down with the, for, with, with injury for a couple of weeks. He became the guy. I mean, <laughs> Joe Burrow was able to elevate him to WR1 status. He's done it. He's held it. So I, I just think that it's going to be on to a next team and that next team is going to get a hell of a player at, you know, probably not a premium, you know, it's probably not going to be a top of the market pr price. It's probably going to be in the 24 to 25 million range around where AJ Brown is now, but cap adjusted. So uh, it's going to be big numbers and somebody's going to benefit from it. There's no question. I just don't think Cincinnati needs to do it is my point. That's the point I'll continue to make. I think their quarterback can overcome a lack of having two WR1s at one time. So we'll see if that's where it goes. Who's next, man? Yeah, speaking of yeah. which, this is a similar conversation. <laughs> yeah, it's basically I just wanted to lump these two guys together. Calvin Ridley, he's mm -hmm. in he's not far behind T. Higgins, ADP 40, which puts him around wide receiver um 17. He's a you know <clears throat> top two wide receiver for most teams. Can I ask you, do, do you do you have Ridley that far behind T. Higgins in your fantasy world right now? Because that's a pretty decent gap, 11 wide receivers. Um, no, spots, I, excuse me. I, I, I think the Calvin Ridley hesitation is a, a lot of it is based on track record of players sitting out a full year and then, um, ah. not producing on the other side of that. Um, so even like, without players, injury though, cause it's not like there he's recovering from an injury, you know? Right, right. No, I get that. It's, I guess I can't speak too much on that part specifically, but I know like that's that's a concern with Jameson Williams, for instance, who didn't play really last year, is going to miss time this year, <laughs> even though he's an ultra talented wide receiver. People have concerns about mi missing critical time on the front end of your career um, mm -hmm. um, as being a critical learning period in a, for a player. So um, I don't have a ton to say here in other than um, – he this is another really good situation the offense is good multiple weapons you know up and coming quarterback um solid defense good coaching so i think he's another one uh, also training camp reports that look at, are excellent right now so yeah he's another one again i'm not giving him a boost specifically but he is one of these pending free agents next year he will be a top of the market um Sorry, not top of the market, but he will be in the same tier as T. Higgins, I would think. Um, uh, I'll push know, back a little bit on that one, Dan. I, I think because of what happened last year and, and him sitting out, there is there's a need for him to 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 go. There's a need for him to to return to Calvin Ridley form. Um, he's getting a quarterback upgrade, maybe even a massive quarterback upgrade. Don't you agree with that? I mean, Matt Ryan was declining in Calvin Ridley's prime years there uh, through that rookie contract. There's no question about it. And Trevor Lawrence is maybe about to hit his absolute peak prime. I, I think that's probably fair to say. He looked like he was trending toward that direction the end of last year. So I I am th – there's very few players from a fantasy perspective I'm more excited about than Calvin Ridley because he's got all the talent around him in the world. Now, there's a bit of an offensive line problem. So, you know, the deep ball world in, in Jacksonville might be suppressed a little bit, but 
I, I am uber in on Kelvin Ridley. And by the way, the recency bias that you kind of alluded to is we kind of forgot about him because of him missing the year and going through, the, you know, you maybe you lump him into that injury, you know, returning from injury kind of conversation just sort of involuntarily. And it's, I don't think it's correct. I think this guy is motivated, maybe a little pissed off at the league and he is sitting there waiting for a contract. Are you kidding me? I, I think there's, there's a boost to be had with this guy. And I would put my chips in on him. No question about it. He's a, even, at, even having missed last year, the, the two years prior to that in Atlanta with a declining Matt Ryan, he's a $21 million player right now without even trying, without even stepping on the field right now. So you boost him with Trevor Lawrence with a contract year. He's probably looking at a franchise tag, you know, just, just a hold over for a negotiation process next spring. But I don't think he leaves Jacksonville and he's talk. We're talking about a, a probably a, a slot under where Justin Jefferson and Jamar Chase's contracts go. I'd put Ridley right after that. That's probably where this is going to end up if things go as, as well as we think they can in Jacksonville. So I'm in on the fact that he needs to re uh, readdress the nation a little bit as a, as a top echelon wide receiver. But if you want to push back and say, he's actually not a true number one, I, I could get there. I could get him needing uh, a cast of characters around him to be great because he did always have Julio Jones around him at, in, in Atlanta for the majority of his rookie contracts. So uh, I, I get it. You can lip into this conversation, but I'm in, I'm all in on this guy. Yeah, I, I'm not out. I am just not sure. I'm, um, let me put it this way to you. Eight. Yeah. Let me put it this way to you. Let's say there's a world where Jacksonville doesn't tag him and both these guys hit the market. T. Higgins and Kelvin Ridley. Is it a push for you? Or are you are you leaning one way versus the other? If you're GMX, let's say you're Houston's GM. They definitely need a little uh, a little love there. I think it's sort of six of one, half dozen of the other. I think they're both I think they're both guys that could take sort of an additional step forward. Mm-hmm. Um, like T Higgins will probably need to be the premier guy in an offense to really take that step forward. Right. Calvin Ridley sort of took that step forward in 2020. Right. And then we all forgot about it over, you know, over the course of 21, which he missed most of last year. We all know why he missed. So um, yeah, I just, I, I, I guess I'm just in equally on these guys. I don't think mm-hmm. there's a massive separation in terms of free agency. I think it's it's going to be similar. Um, similar. Can, can I make one more point before the rest of the world jumps on this point, if they haven't already? Calvin Ridley's has a great year. He's you know a one A to Christian Kirk and the rest of that offense. Evan Engram, right? He, he he fits well, but he's garnering twenty eight million a year because that's just the going rate for now a pending free agent wide receiver. T. Higgins is available. He is not franchise tagged by Cincinnati, as we're kind of predicting here. Does Jacksonville have a uh, have an inkling to to link T. Higgins and Trevor Lawrence back up and and punt on Calvin Ridley at that point? I mean, that's got to be a real thing, right? It's reasonable. I'm not going to comment because I haven't even thought through it, but it seems reasonable. <laughs> okay. This could be fun. These two players might be linked together more than we think in the next couple of months. All right, let's move on. Yeah, I, I, honestly, as I look through this wide receiver, yeah. upcoming, you know, pending wide receiver free agency class, it's actually sort of surprisingly strong considering what we've seen in recent years. So that I'll just leave it at that for now as we work through some of these guys. So, um, okay. Next is just sort of an axe I have to grind. Um, Odell Beckham, he's going... <laughs> Get on your soapbox. Let's do this. He's going around pick 100 in fantasy drafts as as wide receiver 41. Um, I, just, I, I just do not see it. I just don't see it. And I'll sort of lay out my reasons why. New offensive coordinator in Baltimore who is likely going to be more pass heavy than run heavy as we've seen um, in previous years, which would make you think, well, why don't you like Odell Beckham? Well, it's sort of the supporting cast that they have there. There's plenty of mouths to feed through the air. And considering the context of the bulk of the Baltimore Ravens off season, where Lamar's contract was up in the air, 
People thought they needed to get him a bona fide wide receiver weapon. This sort of felt like a superficial signing. Like we have the money, we're going to lock up Odell Beckham, but we don't necessarily expect him to be um, yeah. a super prominent player on this team, right? Like they, he was they the drafted bait, right, they, Dan? He was the bait. Exactly. So just like Nathaniel Hackett was signed in Denver to try and lure Aaron Rodgers, it feels to me like Odell Beckham was sort of just like an appeasement thing to to get people. Now, he's still a talented player. He offers value. Uh, But at one point, not long ago, he was at he literally said something along the lines of I shouldn't even need to play in the regular season or something like that, that I should just play for the playoffs and like how motivated he is he to be an every every down player so all this just culminates in that I don't really see it unless Rashad Bateman's foot injury is way more um, of an issue than we're sort of hearing about right now then he would be injected otherwise Odell Beckham is fighting for targets with Bateman with rookie Zay Flowers he's easily the fourth option right now Dan without even trying Right. And, it's, Bateman, and, it's flowers. It's Mark Andrews. And then it's him. And to me, and, and that, I'm not even saying Dobbins yet. And Dobbins probably catches 50 balls this year. Yeah. And I also think Isaiah likely is going to be more involved in go. that offense this year as well. Just the way they're going to run things. So I, it's a that, totally this, fair point. Totally. It, 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 this is just to say where he is going as a fourth wide receiver, third or fourth wide receiver on a lot of fantasy teams. I'm I'm just not in on that. I just considering the context and everything around it, I, I'll let somebody else um, draft him. Even though he he's a supremely talented player, I just don't think the role will be there throughout the course. He's going to score touchdowns. He's going to be effective in the red zone. He always has been his entire career. He has the ability to maneuver and juke himself into space, but that's not going to lead to a, a lucrative fantasy year for him. You know, even though the touchdown points will help you out here and there, you're not going to be able to rely on him for. 10 plus fantasy points a week, in my opinion, because there are a lot of options. And by the way, Lamar's one of them, right? I mean, we're not even talking about the, you know, Lamar doing things himself role. So uh, I'm with you. By the way, this offense is fun, super fun offense. And if that offensive line can stay healthy, they played a lot of last year without Ronnie Stanley. That's underrated. Lamar was obviously banged up the last six or seven weeks. Um, I, I agree with you on this point. I don't think it's a hot take and I don't think it's a mean take. I, I just think. You want this kind of guy on your team because it signifies that you're serious. It signifies that you're ready to take things to the next level. And oh, by the way, he's got a couple of things he can share too and and produce as well. So I like the player on this team. I like the, the offense, but I think this one of those offenses that isn't going to generate a, a lot of singular fantasy heroes. It's going to be spread out way too thin. So I'm with you, man. Um, and by the way, the one for 15 was an unbelievable overpay. Unbelievable overpay. So um, it was major bait to, to make sure Lamar Jackson didn't leave town or didn't hold out. But it's if it works, it works. You know, I can't it's not my money we're spending. I'm just saying in the context of things, you know, we'll talk Delvin Cook in a second here. Crazy, crazy overpay for what you and I both think is going to be the actual production at the end of this year. And that's just why I wanted to lay that out, because in a conversation where we're trying to say, follow the money for fantasy production and work, I'm I'm sort of saying the opposite here because well, I just, yeah. Do you think the $15 million is, is sparking people to believe he's going to be a major part of this offense? Like, do you well, think this is a world where the money is actually reversing engineering this conversation? It's not universal, but I, I, there's some like underlying steam on Odell Beckham and, and and I will just, I will be, I'm willing to be proven wrong on this, right? Like I I'll lose if Odell Beckham is a, is a league winner this year, but I, I don't see it. I'll, I'll invest in other spots on that Ravens offense. So, okay. what else? And that's all considering the next guys we're all about to talk to are also not sexy, but they're going at, at, around Odell Beckham or after Odell Beckham. So um, one going immediately after him, wide receiver 42, same thing around ADP 100, Michael Thomas, which is um, probably a little surprising for people to hear, but um, one time top fantasy wide receiver. We haven't really seen him healthy in the last few years. A lot has changed and happened there, which I might even kind of throw over to you to, to lay out. But um, yeah. there's basically 
very few options here in an offense that needs weapons. And um, mm-hmm. despite him asking for a trade, despite it looking at certain times like he was going to get cut, they've basically done everything to keep him on the roster, right? So right. Um, I, it, if we're just going to zoom back here, there's not a lot around him other than Chris Olave. You have Alan Kamara on suspension. Otherwise, through the air, it's Rashid Shahid, Traquan Smith, who's been there a number of years, Juwan Johnson at tight end. Um, I, there's just you're not buying the Jimmy Graham thing, huh? <laughs> <laughs> no. So uh. <laughs> I don't know. With Derek Carr, it you know there will be some running gun there to a certain degree. So I, I just think at some point, if you're looking around, Michael Thomas is a pretty good value here. Um, considering and and it's not like this is a he's going to get cut it seems like his contract is probably guaranteed pretty much through next year if i'm if i'm right on that but i'll i'll let you break that down a little bit yeah let, let me break that down a little bit um quickly before we get there though if beckham and thomas are sitting there i guess what round 9 where are we where are we talking here round 8ish probably round 8ish mm-hmm. and you're in the need for a wr2 or 3 are you who are you taking Oh, Michael Thomas between those two. Yeah. That, I think every guy uh, were, I, I mean, every guy in that area, I just feel more confident in than Odell Beckham is, is the sort of the point here. <laughs> Thank God. Sorry, Baltimore fans. Um, Michael Thomas's contract. It was always supposed to be basically get out after 2022. That's just how the original contract read. Now they, they did some, a bunch of restructures as they always do in New Orleans to kind of make it harder to get out. So the dead cap was piling up and piling up and piling up. And then, of course, so were his injuries. Um, and most of us just thought what had happened is they had restructured things in a way that they were waiting till June 2nd, and then they were going to release him out of this contract and go from there. But they did the exact opposite. They, they basically ripped this thing up and took on most of the dead cap this year and converted it into basically a one-and-a-half-year contract that only offers around 10 million of total cash. And, you know, there's plenty of incentives to make this a better situation, but he's getting paid about six and change this year. And then there's a, there's a $3 million roster bonus next year. That's already guaranteed, but that doesn't guarantee his spot next year. It's really just a way to use two years of cap and cash work to lower the cap hit this year and give him essentially a $10 million payout. So Unless this becomes a ridiculously great situation this year, which I think there's a world where he catches 50, 60 balls again if he's healthy, um, they're probably still going to release him after this year and he'll make a $3 million paycheck to go away, which, by the way, probably has offsets. So when he goes and signs a 2 or $3 million contract with the Raiders next year or something like that, the Saints won't have to pay it anyway. So it's smart accounting. We've seen a lot of t- the, Ra- the Rams have been doing this for five years now. Yeah, Bobby Wagner got a contract, got a roster bonus to leave. And then when he signed back with Seattle, that roster bonus of the Rams basically got washed away. So it's a way to guarantee a player cash, but essentially maybe not even have to pay some of that cash on the back end because of the offset language. So that's what's happening here with Thomas, um, cap and cash accounting. My, uh, my bugaboo is this. Um, I don't think Derek Carr is a huge upgrade. <laughs> And I don't think Michael Thomas's injury history is going away. Um, so to answer my own question, I'm taking Beckham Jr. over Michael Thomas right now, Dan. I, I just am. Now, that goes against everything we just talked about because there's six options in, in Baltimore, and I don't think there's more than three in New Orleans. But I just don't trust this situation at all. And I hope I'm wrong because this was, a, this was a, a super fun player to watch and one of my favorite fantasy players to have and to own three, four years ago when things were going well. But, uh, you know, Drew Bays didn't walk around that door. And I just don't trust, you know, year eight of Michael Thomas having seen what we've seen. But look, they, they've shown a hell of a lot of faith in him contractually. I mean, they, they had every chance in the world to just cut bait with this guy and they didn't. So I, I don't know. I'm taking Olave. I'll put it that way. I'm certainly all in on Chris Olave. Sounds uh, sounds like a offline wager in the making here. Uh, <laughs> Who has more fantasy production? Yeah, yeah Michael this. Thomas versus Beckham. I yeah. love this. Who's next? But, then? <laughs> um, yeah, another guy we've talked about um, a little bit on previous podcasts, but um, Gabe Davis, uh, not far behind the two guys we just talked about. ADP just after 100, wide receiver 45. Um, 
another one I don't really understand on the flip side because he this is exactly where Gabe Davis was going last year uh he went in the late third wide receiver 37 I think was his 80 finishing ADP last year um Mm. he suffered an ankle injury early on in the year seemed never the same after that he and the team said he was never the same after that by the time he started getting seemingly healthy is when Josh Allen suffered a shoulder injury, which also limited the production of the overall offense. Um, and the situation is almost identical to last year, other than um, Dalton Kincaid was added as a pass catcher. But basically, it's Stefan Diggs and Gabe Davis in yeah, a bunch of Yeah, they didn't other replace guys. him. They, they, back, they backfilled behind him, but they didn't replace him. No, and I know this is a little narrative, narrative-y here, but like also Stefan Diggs on numerous accounts has went, has stuck off for Gabe Davis saying he's very much underrated in terms of sort of the soft skills things. We like people think he's just this deep threat who can go three for 90 and two touchdowns. Well, he is, but it, the way that they've used him in the past might have been limiting him a little bit. So I think there's a lot of meat on the bone here, but basically I'm saying last year he's, he's being drafted exactly where he was last year. And I think last year was his floor. Um, I think there's considerable upside in terms of his ADP and he's a, he's an upcoming free agent. Again, I don't necessarily think that correlates to him having a big year. I think the offensive environment is prime for him to break out. Um, and maybe get a pretty, you know, pretty decent contract in free agency next year. Um, if somebody, if he proves to be a little bit more dynamic this year, and somebody thinks he's pretty versatile, and wants to make him like a, you know, a one A ish kind of receiver, we we might see that. <clears throat> Is there any world where he returns to Buffalo in twenty twenty four, based on our T Higgins conversation, things like that? I would, I would, I, I want to believe that there is a world that happens. Um, I, I guess I don't have a lot of evidence why I think that, but mm-hmm. the bills, the bills need a receiver and things haven't changed. If, if the way he's been used and produced in years sort of limits, limits his financial ceiling and the price is right for the bills to get back in. I think the, the continuity familiarity with the offense is, a pro to them considering they need wide receivers. They've just sort of added around the fringes in, in recent years. Um, I, th- I think it could work. I, am I out of line thinking that or what? No, it, it's, it's a fringe T Higgins conversation. In my opinion, it's on the lower side of this where I could see a world where Buffalo would at least offer an underpaid, you know, an undervalued extension for him. Um, and it'd be basically, you know, you can hit free agency, but you're not going to find a quarterback situation better than the one you're leaving here, right? And and kind of use that as leverage. Um, I think Buffalo's hope is that one of these rookies they've drafted the past two or three years here grows into that role. But it could be the shorter kid they drafted this past um, April. It could be, you know, I, I'm not super bullish on some of these slot guys they picked up, especially because they keep adding veteran slot players that sort of supplant those guys right now. So I feel like there's some discontent in that area right now, but I, I don't know. It seems like, especially because of the connection with Stefan Diggs, if you're in your current window of contention, this is what Tampa Bay did, right? They probably didn't want to give Chris Godwin that contract extension, but you just don't mess with a great thing. And if your two wide receivers are gelling with your quarterback, it's really hard to start over. It's really hard to bring somebody in and say, all right, f- figure out the chemistry in three months we got to be a Super Bowl contender by December 1st. You know, it's so uh, if Buffalo's winning games as they should, if Gabe Davis is producing like he did two years ago, there's a world where everybody just has to come together and probably say, look, we need this for two more years guaranteed. That's all this is going to be. Let's let's go from there and see where we go after that. But um, I'd, I'd lean on the side of Gabe Davis hits free agency next year, along with Higgins and uh, it adds to that class you're talking about. That is pretty appealing at the end of the day. Yeah. So uh, on the whole Bills situation, we we just got through saying they didn't really do much. They added around the fringes. One guy I just wanted to highlight real quick as like a watch list guy from a contractual. I know where you're going. Um, this this player is literally not getting drafted. So he's more of a draft him with your last round pick, stick him on your bench, see how they utilize him week one. You can always cut him, but 
Deontay Hardy is a guy that people do not know, but Mm -hmm. I think his contract um, is sort of a sneaky signal in terms of how they plan to use him. And um, we just saw their first preseason game. He played, he, he played in the slot with both the starters and the backups and other guys like Khalil Shakur, Trent Sherfield, who they also signed in the offseason. We thought yep. they might get some slot time. They played primarily as backups on the outside. So it looks like Deontay Hardy is primed for some sort of prominent role in this offense. And um, I know Mike kind of nudged me when this was originally signed and people didn't give this yeah. enough credit and said, the Bills have, based on this structure and how this is laid out, the Bills have plans for this guy that's more than just punt returning, right? And it's right. sort of playing out right now. So this is all to say, in one of the best offenses in the league, it, this could be there. I mean, he's still probably behind Diggs, Davis, <clears throat> Dalton Kincaid, and Dalton Knox to some degree, but he mm-hmm. would start in three wide outsets, et cetera. This is a guy going undrafted. He's definitely, to me, a stick, a last guy on your bench watch list type of player. You can cut him immediately if it's not what we think it is. Yeah, so. I'm, I'm not going to push back on that. I think that's probably good business. My only pushback on the, on the conversation as a whole, Dan, is the one thing that has changed since Deontay Hardy signed this contract. And, and if you look on, on spot track and I've got the full breakdown of the, of the, incentive package which, which is extremely diverse in other words they they definitely have had plans for him to spray him all over this field what's changed is not him Hines's injury and if Hines was going to be the primary returner for Buffalo and then Hardy was going to be the backup to that plus have this gigantic role as a gadget player in the offense now Hardy has to be the primary returner and generally speaking teams aren't making allowing those guys to have too much focus in the offense because they need to preserve from an injury standpoint and et cetera. So it's possible that, that the plans for this guy have changed slightly because of the Heinz injury, but I still think they're going to try to integrate him because he is gadgety. He was a crazy cool weapon for the saints in uh, Drew Brees' last two seasons. I, I think there's at least a world where this happens, but there's also a world where Trent Sherfield catches 50 balls in this team. <laughs> so I just want to get that in there as well, because things may have shifted slightly over the and, past couple of weeks. And that's exactly why I wanted to talk through that because balls are going to go somewhere. And if yes. it isn't Deontay Hardy, then I do think Trent Sherfield is yeah. another guy to keep, to stick on your watch list. Oh, to, to put a bow on it. This is one of the best offenses. Josh Allen was had a shoulder injury last year, which we think hampered him to some degree. That offense can get back to what they were two years yeah. ago. There will be opportunity in this offense, and where does it go? I I think Deontay Hardy or Trent Sherfield is uh, is a guy are both players to watch. So. Real quick, where is Steph Stephon Diggs going? He, depending on, he's like right around pick 10 in most things, I think. So he hasn't really fallen too much um, He I, with the early camp stuff, not him not reporting. There was like a little bit of, um, there was a little steam on him falling, uh, you know, because of like the rumors and everything happening. But I think he's sort of evened out and a lot of people like, like to stack him with Josh Allen. So they try and kind of maneuver around that and so they don't really mind taking him a couple picks ahead of ADP but yeah he's right around the back end of the first round okay um I'm super bullish I think he's going to play with a chip on his shoulder I think he's going to do whatever it takes this year to write the write the ship and if that means getting in Josh Allen's face a few more times I'm all for it so I uh I'm big on Steph Diggs in terms of fantasy production this year even more so maybe than last year and and the, and the year before when things were sort of percolating into what has become this this monster office that, that you talked about. So Gabe Davis is a good value pick if you're getting him in the eighth or ninth where he's kind of living right now. But I am I am just fine with you taking Stefan Diggs as the third or fourth wide receiver overall, you know, in this Cooper Cup type conversation because I think offensive wise and from a chip on your shoulder wise, he's he's in this conversation. All right, who's next? 
Yeah, I'll try and breeze through some uh, the next couple guys here because they're not even guys I love. I just wanted to point I, them out. I love this next guy so. as a, as a as a conversation piece. I love it because we get to talk about this offense a little bit and where he falls, and I I think it's great. Who is it, Dan? Yeah, so Alan Lazard, um, he's not being talked about at all, and I realize how like yeah. just vanilla he is in so many ways, but he's being taken at um, around wide receiver fifty. And if we just sort of zoom out and look at this offense, like Garrett Wilson this year is sort of, I mean, I understand the talent, but he's a bona fide top 20 pick at this point. Um, People love Garrett Wilson. Now, some of that love is because new quarterback Aaron Rodgers is in town. But if you look beyond Garrett Wilson, it's very, very thin. It's Al Mazard, Corey Davis, Tyler Conklin, a bunch of wide receivers. I mean, we know about the running back room now. Um, Nicole Hardman, Randall Cobb, who knows if he even makes the team. So it's a, it's just like a, a bunch of random guys. And if Al Mazard, again, was in the same vein as Nate, Nathaniel Hackett in Denver, if Al Mazard was brought there as bait to lure Aaron Rodgers, there's no way he doesn't get at least some focus here. So he's not going to have some breakout 90 year, not 90 reception year or anything like that. But last year he quietly caught 60 balls and six touchdowns. That's right. That's at right. This point, at this point in the draft is pretty valuable in a lot of ways. So if people are expecting the Jets offense to take, to take a step forward this year, and I look around and go, well, who the hell is going to be a part of that? Um, I think Alan Lazard could be sneaky value that, that late in, in drafts. So. All right. I'll counter with similar points, but maybe a couple deflections. Uh, I'm big on Garrett Wilson. I think he's a true superstar. Uh, I do think he'll get amplified with Aaron Rodgers to some degree. He's also going to get double teamed. <laughs> Because of everything you just said, all right. There's not a tight end out there that's going to scare linebackers from going going over and chipping, you know, chipping Garrett Wilson off the line, and then it's set your following with the safety. So, I think it's going to be really tough sledding for Garrett Wilson this year because of the expectations and because of the way defenses will structure against him. Also, and this is absolutely proven, and you can say it's objective, but it's not because he says this stuff out loud when Aaron Rodgers. When things break down for Aaron Rodgers, he goes to what he knows. He's done it his whole year. It's why Randall Cobb is on this team. It's why Ellen Sard is on this team. They're not just there because he likes to have beers with them after the game. When things break down, he looks for things he knows. And Ellen Lazard's going to be that guy. He was that guy last time 60, 60 times last year, right? On an offense that had really good young weapons that Rodgers simply refused to go to because he didn't freaking trust them. And he is out loud with this stuff. He'll say it in the post-game press conference, for Christ's sake. So... You want a safety valve? This is nothing like Lamar Jackson and Odo Beckham. If you want to talk about that bait conversation, it's nothing like that. This is a legitimate on the field safety valve that he's going to use. And it may not lead to, you know, 40 yard passes, but guess what? With the way that offensive line looks, we're not going to have too many 40 yard passes on that offense. We're not. We're going to have dink and dunk eight yard out routes. And some of these guys are really going to benefit from it. And I think this is one of those guys. So I'm in. If he's truly the second option in this offense and Garrett Wilson is an overpay at what, probably 18 overall or something like that right now, I'm in on this as a legitimate number two option with a quarterback who should find him plenty of times. So I think this is the right move. I think this is a great draft in the middle of your rounds. Yeah, independable. I mean, right. The Jets receivers over the last few years have just been, you know, constantly injured. So uh, Alan Lazar played 15 games each of the last two seasons, 10 games in 2020, full season in 2019. So um, just a dependable player. I think Aaron Rodgers will at least look to him. Um, I I also, for what it's worth, love Garrett Wilson. All I'm saying with that is that he's, in my opinion, he's being drafted at his ceiling. We've seen him be really good, but I -hmm. think people are projecting him to take that step forward and drafting him in that area. Um, and I, I just think um, Lazard and some of the other guys, I mean, even Corey Davis, Corey Davis has been kind of a dumpster fire since he got to New York. But um, if it's not Ellen Lazard, maybe it's Corey Davis that breaks yeah. out. So just some guys. Well, um, and I'll say this with, with Garrett Wilson, um, Garrett Wilson becoming, you know, monstrously better is going to rely on the fact that Aaron Rodgers can still throw the ball at, at a really exactly. high, deep level. And I'm, I'm not sure we're questioning that enough because it felt like that fell off big time last year. And I, I don't know if there was an injury. I don't know if he simply just quit on that team. I, I guess both are possible, but 
there's a world where he just doesn't ha- he's 75% of who he he has been and that will not unlock Garrett Wilson to another degree. It just won't. It, it'll keep him where he is, which is still a hell of a player, but it won't bring him to that Devonta Adams type level. It just won't. I I'm glad you brought that up because I don't think that's getting enough love in right. uh, like people, people love the jets. People love the jets off. By the way, I year. do too. The defense is freaking awesome. And there's a lot to love. So I, I don't Sorry. need to be crapping on him here. Right. No, no, no. But from an offensive perspective, sure. people are projecting them to just take off under Aaron Rodgers, And there is some question as to whether he t- was last year was injury related or was a legitimate decline. And if it is a le- legitimate decline, he's still going to be, a really productive quarterback. We know that, but it's not necessarily the ceiling outcome is I just don't necessarily see it for where some of these guys are getting drafted. And and one more point. And I don't think this is arguable. He's going to a worse offensive line. (laughs) He's going to a worse offensive line. They did not do enough to make sure that Aaron Rodgers stays on his feet. He is getting his ass kicked in preseason right now in training camp. He's getting his ass beat. By his own freaking B defense, okay, um, and it's not just hearsay, you know. And you can say it's just it's just training camp, it's just practice. I I don't feel comfortable. I don't know if he feels comfortable, but it's it's going to be a lot of quick release out of Aaron Rodgers' hands, and that's Aaron Lazard all day for me. So, what's next? Um, yeah, sort of the last guy I really wanted to cover in depth. Um, Darius Slayton. <clears throat> now, he just re. <laughs> <clears throat> the Giants re-signed him last year, basically on a one-year deal. Um, you look around, this this might be my coldest take on this list here, but <laughs> you look around, they have a ton of wide receivers, but at some point I think they're going to thin that out in terms of you know may, maybe moving on from guys that were part of the previous regime here. Um, yeah. Right now, though, he's, he's set up to, to be their wide receiver too and maybe one of – um, their primary mm-hmm. outside receivers. The other, you know, they have Isaiah Hodgins, Paris Campbell, Jalen Hyatt just drafted. They still have Sterling Shepard, Wandale Robinson holdover, Jamison Crowder, et cetera. Um, those guys are mostly slot-ish type guys. Um, yeah, I, so Cole, I think- Cole Beasley as well, yeah. Yeah, so they're going to have to thin that out at some point. We know that. But regardless, there's not a lot of guys to play outside there. And Darius Slayton is a proven wide receiver in- um, in this league with now Brian Dable, um, that offense taking a step forward, seemingly, I just think he's another late round guy. He's going wide receiver 84, which is basically undrafted in a lot of places. Um, I think he's got some value as one of those like stash candidates. Let's see how the playing time works out. Like I'm sure they're going to use some sort of heavy rotation there, but maybe he gets the bulk of the snaps outside out, out wide and um, it is a really, a really big payoff at this point in drafts. This is one of those conversations. I'm really glad you brought him into the fold that the contract does the talking for us. Um, it's a two for 12 and 95% of the world's going to look at that and say, Oh, he's like the fourth option then. Right. Cause 6 million a year for a wide receiver right now is garbage pay, except you have to go backwards to get forwards here. He took a $1.5 million pay cut last year just to stay on the roster for 2022. They wanted to get rid of him last year. And he accepted a $1.5 million pay cut. And he earned his way back into Brian Dable's favor, essentially. He said, you know, Brian Dable gives everybody a chance. That's why Jameson Crowder's on this team right now. Cole Beasley's on this team right now. Isaiah Hodgins is the WR1 on this team. It's because Dable's relationship and ability to get the most out of these players is kind of unprecedented. So... He already worked himself back into favor with this team and got himself a $5 million guarantee this year because of it. So he went from minus 1.5 to plus 5 million guaranteed. That's a huge swing for a player who was basically on the chopping block this time last season. So I'm all in. He he might be the WR1 by the end, by by week eight on this roster, if Hodgins kind of falls back to earth a little bit, which I think people kind of expect. Um, And that's a name I want you to talk about a little bit if you can as well. But I'm with you that... Dable's offense is going to find targets. There's no question. I mean, it's going to be a, a spread offense system. We've seen it in Buffalo for a lot of years. So there's going to have to be somebody getting the bulk of that production, even though there's six guys that could get it. And why not Slayton, who was already taking a jump forward in Brian Dable's system over the past 18 months? So to me, the contract does all the talking I need to hear to, to know that he's draftable. 
Um, and especially if there's value and where you're getting them with potential WR1 upside. But what about Hodgins, man? Where is he going? Is it an overblown situation or is it kind of where he belongs right now? Yeah, he's also a late round pick in drafts. Um, I the Daniel Jones stuff. What do you think? I mean, wh- what is it that, I, I, that people I are think, seeing that they just don't believe in this offense, essentially? Well, it's a little bit of that. They People don't believe in Daniel Jones. Last year was real, yeah. et cetera. I think people just don't feel safe investing in any one of those options when it's so crowded in that wide receiver room, but that's where you can gain an edge if you're willing to take a stand um, Mm -hmm. on somebody knowing that you can move on from them immediately. Right. So some of these guys, like I've said multiple times, you're just sticking them as on, on the back of your bench. You see how things play out in the first two weeks. You can easily cut them and add, you know, a more valuable free agent off of waivers if you need to. But if you're drafting these with your last round pick, second last round pick, they could they could really pay off. If you, you honestly Hodges, believe Slayton's going to be there in round 15, is that yes. what you're telling me? Yeah, that's a must draft, right? That's a must draft, Dan. All right, Dan, that's enough on the wide receivers. We got to revert back to the running backs just for a minute because uh, two decent signings here. One we've been waiting for, especially with Delvin Cook to the Jets and Zeke Elliott to the Patriots. Um, some fantasy repercussions. We know a little bit about the contracts in terms of base value. It sounds like one for seven for Delvin Cook to the Jets with uh, around 1.5 million of upside and around one for six max for Zeke, I'd guess. And we'll probably hear about it in the next couple hours or so. I guess it's about one for three on a base level with a lot of incentives, especially touchdown base, which is kind of his bread and butter. Just your uh, your general thoughts and uh, you can sneak some contract info in there if you want. <coughs> Yeah, so I'll start with Zeke first and foremost. Um, The New England situation was always very up in the air to me. I like Ramondre Stevenson as a player. I have him in a number of dynasty spots, but I also simultaneously thought he was sort of a dynasty sell high this year. Mm. He's um, like a pretty solid third. uh, He's pretty solidly in the third round of fantasy drafts, um, but that is projecting a lot of um, him taking over a lot of the touches that Damian Harris vacated last year, um, which we all know anyone who plays fantasy knows Bill Belichick has never really focused his, um, no, he streams uh, him. his touches in one on one running back. And even Ramondre Stevenson's workload last year was a little bit of an outlier. So people expect expecting that role to expand this year, even further, um, just had me as sort of uh, pumping the brakes in terms of if people were interested in buying him from me and dynasty, I was certainly open to listening. Um, now Zeke signs there, which is, is sort of the loo- That was the looming question for me is who is it Leonard Fournette? Is it Dalvin cook? Is it somebody like that? Right. It's Zeke. He's going to have some sort of role there. Um, I don't think it's going to be super prominent, but I do think it's going to be enough to eat into Ramondre Stevenson's like projected three down back role as somebody, as some people had it. So um, I, from the con contractually, I understand there's not a lot invested there. I, I obviously think he makes the team and does serve some sort of role. He's an excellent pass blocker. He's, he's a grinder, which new England is probably going to want to do. They're not looking to get into shootouts with teams. So yeah. um, especially weather games, things like that, they're probably just going to hand it off to him. I mean, I think he's pretty safely in the running for um, 12, maybe 15-ish touches a game at some point. I mean, at least 10 touches a game, let's say that. A little bit of goal line work, um, some pass blocking stuff. Other than that, I don't, I, I'm not buying in from a fan. Can, can I give you a name that came, the, the, the name that came into my head the second I saw where Zeke ended up? LeGarrette Blunt. Is yeah. there a world where that happens? where it's just this unbelievable comeback year and he sort of takes the league by storm because of what he's doing for one season in new England. Probably not quite look Blunt, but that's more, more of a testament to the overall offense. Um, yeah. Not being a Tom Brady led offense. Um, but it, it, the, the point is there though, that he could, I think he could come in and surprise some people, but I want, I'm not going to be investing fantasy wise. I'll, I'll wait and see how that shakes out. Because where's, there are... he, where's he going, Dan? I mean, what, what is the, what is the kind of range for Zeke Elliott in terms of if he's going to be your actual W, you know, RB two, 
let's say to start the year. Is that, is that a worthy pick or are you streaming him as a flex option and nothing more? Oh no, he'd be a flex or bench option for me. That's, but he, he's really, the story with Zeke has more been about how he's limited or, or may have affected other players ADPs because yeah. we've been sort of waiting for like with Alvin Kamara, there's been so much up in the air with the, with this potential suspension. Um, Right. And just a number of guys around the league where we're waiting for these these dominoes to fall, you know, where does Minnesota sign a second guy um, Do the Jets grab somebody, et cetera. So does this um, does this I mean, you mentioned the Patriots stuff and I believe it. I, I, you know, this guy, these guys get in the doghouse every three weeks for some reason and they get benched for an entire game. But does Zeke signing do anything to stop you from drafting Stevenson right now? No, if anything, I think it's gonna so it's gonna bring Stevenson's ADP more into a range where I feel comfortable investing. Better value, in, right? So yeah, yeah I, I like Ramondre Stevenson in a vacuum. It's just I'm not gonna invest a third round pick in him. There's so many other players in that range that I would rather um, invest in. But if he falls two rounds or something, then I, I would consider adding him as my RV one if I load up on, you know, receiving uh, talent earlier. So I like Stevenson quite a bit. Um, but especially because I don't like the quarterback at all. <laughs> so, yeah. so I kind of read it that way. And this Zeke stuff, the only, the only reason it scares me is because I think he's going to steal some touchdowns, quite a few touchdowns. He's done that in his career for a long, long time. And you're right, though. He's a hell of a blocker. So he is going to make Mac Jones life better. There's no question about it. Even at his age, he's going to do that part of it. Uh, let's switch to Delvin and the Jets. Where does he fit now in this conversation we had with Lazard and and Rogers and Garrett Wilson as, as a true, true weapon. And obviously now what does it do for Brees Hall? This is my, I fully admit this may be very against the grain, but I think the, the dirt being shoveled onto Brees Hall's fantasy grave this year is a little bit overblown. And again, this is another, mm. this is sort of like Odell Beckham in a different realm, but where I'm not trusting the money that he just got. Um, Dalvin Cook looked around for a contract. No one gave it to him. It's rumored the Dolphins gave him or offered him like half of what he got in in New York, I think um, is what I saw last. So he basically what I'm trying to say is I think this was a case of Aaron Rodgers took a pay cut, freed up money, and there was no way they were not going to reallocate that money in some way, even if that meant an overpay for Dalvin cook. So I think there's a world, listen, Dalvin cook is going to have a role on this team, but I also think Brees hall is still going to have a role on this team. So people all saying, look at the money he got. It's Dalvin cooks backfield. Um, I don't necessarily believe in that. Now, if we want to work through a scenario like we talked about earlier where this Jets offense isn't as good as we think, or sorry, Aaron Rodgers isn't mm-hmm. as good as we think, mm-hmm. they're going to lean on the run game, right? So there's a world, again, like the New England backfield where both of these guys can coexist, but there is a little bit of cannibalism in terms of um, their workload. They're going to eat into each other's workload. Neither of them is going to be a 20-plus a touch guy, but – We've seen Brees Hall. Brees Hall can definitely – he's a home run hitter. We can, he can definitely survive on um, 12 to 15 touches. If Dalvin Cook gets worked in there, 10 to 15 touches also. But I don't think this is like Dalvin Cook bona fide three down backs. Brees Hall is injured and is, you know, throw him, throw him in the dumpster for this year, right? So um, I don't know. I, I, Do you have a different take? There's a lot of takes you can – there's a lot of angles you can make here, um, and you've made most of them. I mean, it's, it's definitely important to talk about the fact that Brees Hall is coming back from a, a knee injury at 10 weeks or 10 months, excuse me. That's, that's aggressive. So, you know, I don't think they should expect him to have 17 weeks worth of workload out of the gate. So they always needed somebody else. I kind of think they had somebody else. I, I don't hate Michael Carter sitting beside him, you know, probably taking another step forward this year. And certainly that's a cheaper way to go, which leads me to this. Uh, they doubled Miami's offer and there were probably two or three other teams out there making offers. And by the way, I think Minnesota was one of them. I heard that yesterday. I believe it. You and I have talked about this. Why the hell wouldn't they at least try to get him back on a different contract? The whole point was to get out of that initial contract and they had to do it from a cap perspective, had to do it. 
but they still need a running back. So I, th- I think they did make an offer. And my guess is it's right around what the Dolphins were offering, which is probably the $4 million a year. And the reason we're all saying that is because Delvin Cook came out on social media two months ago and said, I'm not a $4 million running back. Well, he's right. He found a team not to do it. Explain to me the only reason the Jets would go 7 to $8 million. Because I have a reason, and I wonder if you, we have the same reason. Why would the Jets almost double the offer? I don't have a good reason. I just thought it was – I thought this was more Aaron Rodgers orchestrated. Like, Not that he's in there writing writing the contract or signing the check, but like he freed up a bunch of money, and in theory, that was for them to allocate that to other players. And if he felt that – like he was one of the original guys saying he, he, was in, he hoped that the Jets looked into this. So yes. – uh, to some degree, he had to just say, "Go give him what he wants." This is my ha- answer. This is okay. my answer. That and, and, they're, they're simply all in on whatever he wants, and or let's build a super team so that the city of New York knows we're not effing around right now. You know what I mean? Like, there's right. something to that. By the way, my freaking Mets are the worst example of this. Right? They're the worst, but it's not to this that that level. But you're right. Rogers did shave 32 million off that contract, guaranteed. Shaved it off. So we better go spend this money on pieces that can at least help him or maybe bail him out. I like how you said that too, if there's decline. And I don't trust Brees Hall for 17 weeks, even though I love the guy. Um, so I think all that can be true. I think it's all possible that that's all true. Um, and the Jets simply had to pay the New York premium to get him. They had to because Miami, he probably wanted to go to Miami. He probably had a bigger role ready for him in Miami. And I know he had a bigger role ready in Minnesota. He knew what he was leaving. He knew he, was, he could get that back in a heartbeat if he wanted to go back there on $4 million, which probably was the offer. So the Jets simply had to blow him out of the water, Sim- similar to probably the Beckham conversation in that regard. They, they simply had to offer Beckham a contract immediately that he would not refuse because that was the way to, to solidify the Lamar Jackson situation. This is the, the reverse of that. They had already solidified Aaron Rodgers. He, they already solidified a pay cut with Aaron Rodgers. Now we better go do something with this right now because his window's snap, he's snapping shut immediately, right? So we got to do this immediately. And there, are, there aren't Delvin Cooks sitting out there in August every year. In fact, I can't remember a player of this uh, capability being available when train, training camp started. It just doesn't happen. So I get that from an overpay perspective. And by the way, he's still pretty freaking good. And last thing, last thing, this is a really good situation for running backs. This is a really good deal for running backs because there was a team. There were three teams we know of that were least invested in a player who's not 22, right? He's 27-ish. And a contending team overpaid to get a running back late in the year. That's now something other agents can go to and say, right? When, when Joe Mixon and Elvin Kamara fall off their contracts next year, and that's probably going to happen... Both of their agents can now go to these other teams, good teams, right? The Chiefs, good teams, the Bills, and say, you're this piece away. We're not screwing around with minimum contracts anymore. You need a Delvin Cook in your life. So there, it's a really good example for agents of running backs and running backs themselves to be able to look for if Cook can produce for this Jets team and become a factor. So it's to me, it's step one in kind of reinvigorating at least one good example uh, of, of a running back that became vital to a team late in the se- late in the offseason. So I just wanted to get that on the record. Um, Brees Hall still going ahead of Delvin Cook for you in fantasy? Um, oh, I, so Brees Hall was sort of around like a third, a pretty safe third round pick back of the second, uh, like the two, three turn. Um, he's definitely going to fall. Delvin Cook, mm. uh, like I just did a recent draft. He was at the back end of round five. Um, I wouldn't be surprised if those two flip a little, but I guess what I'm saying is if Brees Hall falls three rounds, um, I'm still going to have some interest in there thinking, um, let let me put it this way. Brees Hall, if he falls like Brees Hall is like a third round pick. Like I just said, um, if Javante Williams is a fifth, sixth round pick (laughs) comparatively, both just suffered knee injuries. Brees Hall was a torn ACL. Javante Wilson Williams was a torn ACL, PCL, MCL. That's right. Yeah, basically a very, very unprecedented um, injury to come to recover from. So things that I've heard, there's less injury concern with Brees Hall's recovery um, mm-hmm. than Javante Williams comparatively. So if those two fall into a similar range, I'm going to look at Brees Hall. Um, 
Now, I, I'm saying I'm more confident in terms of him being able to carry carry a workload. But, I, I mean, yeah. yeah, to answer your original question, I don't want either personally, but I think if Brees <laughs> Hall falls a little bit. Um, I'd at if least... he's in the fourth round, I'm taking him. I'm telling you right now. Yeah. I'm taking him. He's got. Yeah, I just don't. I just don't buy Dalvin Cook's contract equaling fantasy or produ- opportunity or production in this case. Sort of like I said with Odell Me Beckham. Um, that's kind of the the way to to put it. But both of them and, will have a role. In the and conference. by the way, I I agree with you. And there's a world where Del- Delvin Cook is sort of slow played and shelved until December, right? Because he's not here for the bulk of the regular season. He's here for crunch time. He's here to bail out Brees Hall if and when the you know the injury starts to rear its ugly head again, or he simply needs a break. To me, that's the role, and the price is just what it took to get him to say yes immediately and get him on this roster and away from Miami and away from Minnesota and whoever else, Chicago, who might have been in on him. Um, it was simply a way to, to shut everybody else up and say, "Okay, you're ours now." <laughs> you know. So I I'm with you. I don't think it's a world where it's Dalvin Cook's team by any any means. Uh, I still think Brees Hall gets the chance to be that guy. And later in the year, when everybody needs an extra running back or two, they now they now have Delvin Cook to turn to, and that's a pretty nice situation. So, again, I think it's good for a lot of things, including the market of the running back, maybe one percent, right? Maybe maybe a one percent up on the on the running back market next offseason. We'll see where it goes. All right, man, this was a this was a deep one. Do we dare do tight ends? I'm gonna I'm gonna put you on the spot right now as we exit. Do we dare have this conversation with tight, end, tight ends, or is it simply too complicated? Um, I mean, we can <laughs> certainly look at the list. It's probably going to be some absolute sicko names way down the list again. Um, but Feels I mean, fun. we could certainly put some value type guys that we think um, based on money spent. I'll take a look at the list, and I don't know. Maybe we can come up with something. So. <laughs> Homework, that sounds fun. All right, man. Thanks. (laughs) Thanks.